President Trump accepts the Republican nomination from the White House as protesters get rowdy outside. Kamala Harris claims black lives aren't taken seriously in the United States. And the Republican National Convention wraps up. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business protected at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, before we get to everything else, let me just announce to you that my sleep lately it has been disturbed by my small child. I have a very small child who's six months old and she's not yet sleep trained. And that means I treasure the moments between the times when she is waking up and bothering us in the middle of the night because I'm on that Helix Sleep mattress. It's a Helix Sleep mattress made just for me. Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete, matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, whether you like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix, there's no more confusion, no more compromising. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. CNN called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on. All you have to do is head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take that two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. It's excellent, okay? I have a Helix Sleep mattress again. I value it greatly at this time, not only because it's hard to sleep generally, but also because I got a kid waking me up in the middle of the night. So in those moments when I am not awakened by my child, I need a personalized mattress. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to 200 bucks off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. Again, that's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check them out. Helixsleep.com slash Ben for up to $200 off a mattress that is custom made just for you. Check them out right now. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. All righty. So we will get to the Republican National Convention last night. But let's just be clear about this. The people who are currently making the case for President Trump to be president are not Republicans. They are all of the rioters and the looters and the violent jackasses in the streets harassing normal people who are not bothering anybody, who are, who are attempting to do violence, who are, who are being terrible human beings. It is also the politicians on the Democratic side of the aisle who have decided to soft pedal all of this, who have decided that they are going to look over, they're just going to say, you know, we, we understand their motivation. We understand what they're doing. We, we get it. We do. You know, it's kind of unnecessary, but really America is systemically racist. Really, their cause is just. America really is a terrible, no good, very bad place. The Democrats who are willing to overlook simple fact patterns in particular cases in order to draw a broad overarching narrative about how America is systemically terrible. And th- this is what is driving Trump's reelect prospects at this point in time. All the Democrats had to do, and I've been saying this since the day that Trump was elected, all they had to do was not be crazy, and they just couldn't do it. They tried for a brief second in time to nominate somebody who was not the crazy person, right? They, they nominated Joe Biden in order to not nominate the octogenarian communist. And it turns out that Joe Biden is too weak to stand up to his own base. He is too weak to stand up to the radicalism inherent in his own party. And the fact is that even the administration he last served under was rather radical on a lot of these matters. Remember, there were cities that burned during the last Democratic administration. Ferguson burned while Barack Obama stood there and said that people don't make up things like what happened with Michael Brown, except that everything that was said about Michael Brown was, in fact, made up by witnesses who lied about it at the time. Ferguson burned. Baltimore burned while Barack Obama was president of the United States. Again, based on a case where the officers were found not to have committed a murder. New York City was massive protests in New York City while Barack Obama, Milwaukee burned while Barack Obama was president. So it's not as though Democrats haven't presided over this sort of stuff in the past. And it is Democratic cities that are currently burning. It is Democratic mayors who have allowed this to go on. As I mentioned yesterday, this really is not all that difficult. Government has one job, one job, protect your rights. And the minute that you say that the cops have to be pulled out of areas where they are protecting law-abiding citizens from criminals and villains, the minute you say that the cops are the bad guys and the criminals and the villains are the good guys, you have lost the thread. Well, the Democrats have lost the thread. 
And not only have they lost the thread, they've decided to reject reality. They, they, like completely reject it. Reality is no longer of consequence in too many parts of the Democratic Party. And this is how you end up with the notion in the Democratic Party that facts are secondary to narrative. So there's more information now coming out on this shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which has led to these massive riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, burning down of, of city blocks, right? While the Democrats said nothing about it all of last week. For the Democrats, it was all about America being systemically racist and evil and terrible and no good and very bad. But no real harsh words for the rioters and the looters, even Joe Biden's tepid little statements about how it's unnecessary violence. It's unnecessary. Why is it unnecessary? According to Joe Biden, it's unnecessary because, well, you know, you can use the political process to elect people like Joe Biden. But if Donald Trump were to win again, then the threat of fascism is on the horizon, in which case, presumably, it's necessary. There is a, a rather open extortion tactic that is being used by Democrats these days that is extraordinarily ugly. I, I'm, I've yet to see a Republican riot. OK, like in the modern era, have you seen Republicans rioting? I'm, I'm old enough to remember when they were calling Tea Partiers terrorists for standing there with American flags and playing corny songs and wearing hats with the brims not properly bent. Right. That, that they were terrorists. The, the Tea Party were bad guys. Not one incident of serious violence at a Tea Party protest. Not one. Hey, now you have nearly every BLM protest breaking out randomly, apparently, into some sort of riot or looting as soon as the curfew hits. And yet we are being told that these are the best among us. This is, the, this is the kind of protest that America stands for. But you know what? You really shouldn't get too violent because after all, you can just elect Joe Biden, this octogenarian 50-year politician who's not accomplished anything of major consequence in his career, except for the only thing that he actually did was a, a, criminal, a criminal justice bill that lengthened sentences that he now says was a bad idea. So all of this has come to a head in the last week and a half. You can see the shift in the narrative because Democrats are starting to realize that this is extraordinarily damaging, like seriously, seriously damaging to their electoral prospects. In Wisconsin, particularly, rural Wisconsin is going to show up and vote now. Rural Minnesota and Minneapolis are going to show up and vote now. There are a lot of people who weren't going to show up and vote because they were alienated by Trump's personality and the DNC banked on people being alienated by Trump's personality. That was the DNC's entire pitch. There was nothing there about what they were actively going to do. They ignored their own agenda. It was all about how Trump was a bad, mean, orange, bad man. Well, guess what? Trump can be a bad, orange, mean, bad, orange man. But when people are watching cities burn and when they are watching suburbs being invaded by rioters and looters, and we saw that in Seattle last night, when they see people walking through the streets of major cities and being harassed and harangued by protesters getting directly in their face, when they're watching people being punched in the head for no reason other than their political perspective, when they see that, they go, okay, so you're, you're telling me that because Trump is vulgar and a boor, and because he does things I don't like, then I'm supposed to vote for people who incentivize this, this sort of extortion? Americans resent being extorted. They resent the electoral extortion that is now being effectuated upon them by the Democratic Party. And again, the Democratic Party is going full scale with this sort of stuff. They really are. They are ignoring fact patterns in order to propagate a narrative they think will be electorally valuable for them that will drive out what they think will be minority voters to the polls. I think it's going to backfire in a pretty significant way here. They're ignoring fact patterns. There's new information on the Jacob Blake shooting, as I mentioned. Here's the new information. This is according to the Wisconsin DOJ investigation. Quote, after the initial attempt to arrest Mr. Blake, Kenosha police officer Rustin Chesky deployed a taser to attempt to stop Mr. Blake. When that attempt failed, Kenosha police officer Vincent Arenas also deployed a taser. However, that taser was also not successful in stopping Mr. Blake. Also, Blake admitted he had a knife in his possession. On the tape, by the way, one of the cops can be heard shouting, drop the knife. Okay, but, but apparently fact patterns don't matter. They literally don't matter. 
We've been told by, by top level Democrats that the facts of these cases do not matter because the overarching narrative is all that matters. And when you ignore the facts in order to preserve an overarching narrative that ends with riots and looting, when you soft pedal the riots and the looting, Americans are going to resent it. For example, here's Wisconsin's lieutenant governor yesterday. He literally said, we don't need an investigation into this case. This is Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, Democrat of Wisconsin. He literally says, in a case that requires an investigation, we don't need an investigation. Now, first of all, I think the facts on the ground and the tape on the ground already show that any investigation is going to end with the acquittal of these cops, that there are no criminal charges that will be, that they cannot be, you can't file criminal charges against police officers who arrive to arrest a man with an open warrant for domestic abuse and sexual assault. And by the way, we are now learning that one of the people, that the person who called the cops was apparently one of his prior victims, okay? And he showed up at her house and that's why she called the cops. The cops show up, he resists arrest, he is tased twice, he ignores their orders, he gets up. He may or may not have a knife, we don't know that yet. We do know that he reaches into the car and they find on the floorboards of the driver's side, a knife. Okay, I am sorry, there is no circumstance whatsoever under which these cops are convicted of anything. It's just not going to happen. But according to the Democrats, not only should these cops be convicted, you don't even need an investigation. The facts literally don't matter. Here's the lieutenant governor of the state of Wisconsin claiming that we don't need an investigation to determine that this was not only a bad shooting, but a racial shooting. So they haven't established that it's bad. They haven't even established that it's racially motivated. They haven't established one iota of this stuff. All that matters is the overarching narrative. As long as Democrats propagate this stuff and then riots break out in the streets and they poo-poo it, Americans are not going to vote for this. They are not. Okay, here's Lieutenant Governor Manzella Barnes. As the governor said, uh, DCI's investigation is ongoing, but we don't need an investigation to know that Blake's shooting falls in a long and painful pattern of violence. And this is a pattern of violence that happens uh, against black lives too often across this country. And as you all know, we saw even more gun violence unfold on Tuesday night when two protesters were tragically killed and one other injured by gunshots. Okay, <laughs> we don't need an investigation and I'm gonna give you the exact reverse of what happened. Okay, when it comes to the quote unquote protesters who were, who were shot and killed, the tape shows them attacking the person who did the shooting. It's all on tape, guys. And we don't need an investigation. By the way, we don't need an investigation is the mark of people who don't give a damn about due process. It turns out due process is one of the core protections of the Bill of Rights and one of the core reasons for government to exist. And there's the lieutenant governor saying we don't need an investigation to already determine how this fits into our pre-existing narrative about black people inherently being victims in the United States. Incredible. In a second, we're going to see the vice presidential candidate on the Democratic side say exactly the same thing. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let us talk about the fact that hiring on your own without any assistance, it can be really, really difficult, like very, very difficult. It's really important that you have somebody to help you go through that process. ZipRecruiter is the best way to do it. ZipRecruiter will send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter will scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and actively invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter makes the entire hiring process efficient and effective with features like screening questions to filter candidates and an all-in-one dashboard where you can review and rate your candidates. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. So let's say the day after day after day, your producer, let, let's call him Colton, for example, he suggests guests that are just like, why would you possibly suggest that this person would make a good guest? Why? And let's say you decide to book somebody else who'd be better at booking guests, like a, a one-armed monkey or something. But you can't find a one-armed monkey. So where do you go? You go to ZipRecruiter.com. Right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, my listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire ZipRecruiter. 
Com. All righty. So it was not just the Wisconsin lieutenant governor who says who says we don't need an investigation. It was Kamala Harris, your former prosecutor. Right now, it seems to me that if you're a former prosecutor, you should be responsible enough to say, you know, we might need an investigation before we prosecute somebody. But Kamala Harris, let's throw them all in jail. Kamala Harris. She says we don't need an investigation. We should just charge the officer in the Jacob Blake case. We should just charge him. No investigation necessary. Now, Let me just take it with a grain of salt because Kamala Harris is an awful human being who literally has suggested that cops murder people when the murder not only has been investigated, but debunked. She literally tweeted out last year that Michael Brown was murdered. Michael Brown, the 18 year old who attacked a police officer, reached into his car, fired the police officer's gun, tried to run away, turned around and charged the police officer and was shot for his trouble. That is according to two separate state prosecutors. That is according to the Obama Department of Justice. Kamala Harris said he was murdered. So here's Kamala Harris ignoring the requirements of due process, ignoring the notions of individual justice, ignoring the belief that facts matter in order to preserve the narrative that black people are inherently put under the knife in the United States of America circa 2020. And and then you expect people not to riot. You expect people not to loot. Here is Kamala Harris doing this routine. Is there a scenario in which that officer would have been justified, was justified in firing his weapon. Craig, I don't, I don't see it, but I don't have all the evidence. You know, the man was, was going to a, his car. He didn't appear to be armed. And if he was not armed, the use of force that was seven bullets coming out of a gun at close range in the back of the man, I don't see how anybody could reason that that was justifiable. Do you think the officer should be charged? I think that there should be a a thorough investigation. And based on what I've seen, it it seems that the officer should be charged. Oh, well, so there should be a full investigation, but also he should be charged, which means you don't need the investigation, do you? She could just say there needs to be a thorough investigation. That could be the end of the sentence. Could it not? There needs to be a thorough investigation. But we've already been told by the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin, you don't need an investigation to determine what happened. And there's Kamala Harris suggesting we need a thorough investigation. I don't see a circumstance. By the way, we already know there was a knife on the floorboard of the car. We already know that is the case on the driver's side. Okay, it's not all the way in the back. It wasn't in the trunk or something. We know there's a man with an open warrant for sexual assault and domestic abuse with three kids in the back of the car. He has resisted arrest. He's been tased twice. He walks away from the police officers after bucking them off his back. And the idea is what? The cops are supposed to let him go with three kids in the back of the car? But don't worry, Kamala Harris has, has it all covered. As it all covered. Now, here's the thing. Democrats don't have to do this. They don't have to soft pedal the violence, but they do because they're enthralled to their woke base. And the woke base is not, in fact, black Americans. The woke base is not black. See, this is the great misnomer is that if you keep saying stuff like this, you're going to drive black voters to the polls en masse. You're going to get the Obama coalition of 2008 back together. When Democrats refuse to condemn the violence in the streets, when Democrats soft pedal it, when they say things not like it is more, it's a moral blight what is happening right now. It is vicious and evil what is happening right now when they refuse to condemn this in stark terms, when instead they say things like, well, it's unnecessary, or we condemn violence on all sides. I'm old enough to remember, by the way, when it was considered insufficient, rightly, for the president of the United States to say about Charlottesville that there were bad people on many sides, there were bad things happening on many sides, on many sides. That was his original statement. It drove a lot of ire, including from me. Go back and listen to my podcast that day. Joe Biden is saying exactly the same thing now. He refuses to condemn the violence and the looting that is springing directly from Black Lives Matter protests. He's refusing to. The Democrats are refusing to. You know why? It ain't. It is not because they are enthralled to to Black Americans. 
It is because they are enthralled to white, woke liberals who feel more virtuous by condemning the United States, by dissociating from the history, culture, and philosophy of the United States of America. They don't have to do this. You know how I know they don't have to do this? Because there's a courageous man. His name is Representative John DeBerry. He's a Democrat from Tennessee. And a few days ago, he made a speech. And his speech, he talked about how he had grown up in Jim Crow America and how the rioters and the violent looters and all of these garbage human beings are in fact garbage human beings. And he named it and he shamed it in stark terms. He is a Democrat. He is a black Democrat, by the way. The notion that black Americans are desperately in favor of people rioting and looting and burning down largely black communities, by the way, is insane. The Democrats have decided to rally around this flag because here's the problem. There are three visions of the United States that are currently on the table. Vision number one, the United States is an incredible place with an incredible founding philosophy. We have not always lived up to that founding philosophy, but working within the system of that philosophy and within the constitutional system, we can effectuate change that reaches toward the perfection of the ideals of the Declaration of Independence. Right? That is one vision of the country. In my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, I term this the unionist vision for the country. Then there's the disintegrationist vision of the country. The disintegrationist vision of the country says America is steeped and rooted in evil. The founding principles are wrong. They were a lie when written, as the 1619 Project says, and they remain a lie today. They were but pretty words slathered atop a base of racism and white supremacy, and that we need to destroy the system from within. This is the Ibram X. Kendi anti-racist notion that in order to be anti-racist, you have to destroy the entire system. The Democratic Party wants it both ways. So the Democratic Party wants to argue, along with the disintegrationists, that America is indeed rooted in foundational racism, bigotry, homophobia, sexism, and all the rest, just like AOC says. But we should also work within the system. The problem is that once you have granted the premise to to, to disintegrationists who wish to effectuate violent means, then you're just arguing over means. You're not arguing over core philosophy. Now, the Democrats, many of them would like you to believe that they actually agree with the unionist vision, that America's founding philosophy is good, that you can work within the system. But then they refuse to condemn the violence because in essence, too many of them agree with the fundamental premise of the rioters and the looters, which is that America is so evil, thoroughly, rotten stem to stern, they just got to blow up the boat. It's the only way. So if you're just arguing whether to blow up the boat or whether you should put us in charge of the boat, that's going to be a difficult case to make. And that is why you're seeing Democrats be so ginger about all this. Now, again, you don't have to do this if you actually believe in the country. In a second, I'm going to show you a Democrat who believes in the country, a black Democrat from Tennessee who believes in the country enough to condemn what's going on. Meanwhile, Joe Biden won't. We'll get to that in one second. First, let's talk about a truly meaningful gift that you can give to somebody you care about or to yourself. I am talking about paintyourlife.com. You can choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. Here's how it works. You get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. You send any picture, yourself, your kids, family, a special place, cherished pet. You can combine photos in one painting. And then you choose the artist. And then they will help you along with the process. I've done it myself. They send you updates. You can make changes to it. And by the way, it's guaranteed because if you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. So sitting above our mantelpiece in our our main room right now is a giant painting from Paint Your Life of me and my wife and two of our three children. So it's about time to update that since we have a a tiny little one who's extraordinarily cute. So we're going to head back to paintyourlife.com. At paintyourlife.com, again, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. Right now, it's a limited time offer. You get 20% off your painting. That is correct, 20% off plus free shipping. To get the special offer, text the word Ben to 64,000. That is Ben to 64,000. Again, text the word Ben to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Really amazing gift. 
paintyourlife.com. And again, use that code Ben to get 20% off. Okay, so Democrats are fully capable of condemning this stuff. Here's Representative John J. DeBerry Jr., Democrat from Memphis, from the state legislature. Now, this is from August 12th, talking about the violence. My family raised money and sent my dad to Washington for that march. Well, that man stood there and said that he wanted his children judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And all we do in America right now is talk about color. Every issue, every issue is about race, it's about color. Instead of us sitting down at the table like men and women of common sense and common justice, and understanding that our enemies are looking with a greedy vigilance upon us as we tear ourselves apart eternally. Peaceful protest ends peacefully. Anarchy ends in chaos. And what we see happening right now, any of us with any common sense, any common sense whatsoever, know that what we see is not peaceful. By the way, he was a Democrat. I should correct this. The Democratic Party ousted him. I'm not kidding. Okay, so what he is saying here is is what every Democrat should be saying. Now, he has been, I'm not kidding, he has been ousted from the, by the Tennessee Democratic Party's executive committee. He now has to run as an independent because he has conservative positions on issues like abortion and school choice. Okay, but there is a man who lived under segregation in Jim Crow, pointing out that doing violence, doing evil is in fact evil. Will the Democrats take them up on this? No, of course the Democrats won't take them up on this. Instead, you'll get milk toast, tepid statements from Joe Biden. So yesterday, Joe Biden, he said, I condemn violence in all forms, in all forms, in all forms, in all forms. Weird, because I remember when Donald Trump said the same thing about the Charlottesville situation, the Charlottesville standoff between Antifa and the alt-right white supremacists. He was widely condemned as he should have been because he was not specific enough about the source of the original violence, namely the alt-right or the perspective of the alt-right. Here was Joe Biden doing the, yes, I condemn violence on all sides, on all sides, on all sides. By the way, I condemn violence in any form, whether it's looting or whatever it is. And by the way, when I spoke to, when I, when I spoke to the family, the mom was really incredibly straightforward. She said, this is not who we are as a family. This is not who my son is. We condemn the violence. And so who's, who's rooting for the violence here? Who's rooting for the, we condemn the violence. I mean, we condemn it. I mean, it's bad. I mean, like the violence is bad. But also, but also, Jacob Blake, it made me sick to my stomach what I saw on that tape. Black men being shot down in, in, in broad daylight. This is what he said the day before. And then Joe Biden tries to make the case that this is Trump's America and he wants more riots. That Trump wants more riots. They went the entire DNC eight hours in prime time without mentioning riots and looting. Eight hours. And then Joe Biden's like, well, this is Trump's America. Okay, no, you don't get to play that game. Because when Trump sent federal forces into Portland to try and put this stuff down, you call them a fascist. When Trump offered 500 extra National Guard troops to Governor Tony Evers in Wisconsin, Evers turned him down. You don't get to play this game. Or when Trump tries to stop the violence, you call him a fascist. And then you suggest that he actually wants the violence while you yourself continue to issue milk toast statements about how you condemn all violence. All violence is very bad. All I mean, sure, black people are being shot down by the cops at an exorbitant rate and America is systemically racist and evil. But riots and looting, I mean, they're unnecessary. Unnecessary. I, I, I struggle to think if he believes that, when is violence necessary? So if you believe that America is such a place where black people are under daily threat from the establishment system, when would violence become necessary in Joe Biden's view? 
Here was Joe Biden trying to blame all of this on Trump. And by the way, making a, sto- a soft extortion case in the process. You'll hear him say here that um, all of this will go away if he's elected. So in other words, just get rid of Donald Trump and all this goes away. Nice country you got there. It would be a shame if somebody did something to it. Here's, here's Joe Biden. The problem we have right now is we're in Donald Trump's America. You know, to, uh, to quote uh, um, Kelly Conway, she said, and I'm paraphrasing today, that they're looking for more violence and more disruption because it helps them politically. He views this as a political benefit to him. You know, he's rooting uh, for more violence, not less. And it's clear about that. And what's he doing? He's kept pouring gasoline on the fire. This happens to be Donald Trump's America. It's Donald Trump's America. And then he says, and if you get rid of Donald Trump, it'll all stop. Weird, because, again, cities burned under Joe Biden. The tacit threat here is cities will continue to burn. The protest, I mean, literally last week, Kamala Harris said the protests are necessary and they should continue. They should continue. Don't worry, no rioting and looting, guys. All a figment of your imagination. It's starting to come home because the polls are showing that Americans don't like this stuff. And so now Democrats are swiveling on a dime and being like, oh, yeah, I guess we probably should do something about it, maybe a little bit. But they're still incentivizing the riots and the looting. They're still giving credence to the main case, which is that America is broadly and systemically evil and racist. We'll hear Kamala Harris make that case. An extraordinarily wealthy, privileged black woman in the United States of America make the case that America literally does not care about black people. In just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that now is not a great time to go to the post office. You know what it is a great time to do. It's a great time to use the postal service without having to go to the post office. And that means using stamps.com. We here at The Daily Wire, we've been using stamps.com since 2017 to save time and save money. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of stamps.com in recent months. With stamps.com, you can print postage on demand. You can avoid going to the post office. You'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62%, no residential surcharges. Stamps.com will bring all the mailing and shipping services you need right to your computer in the comfort of your home or office. Whether you're a small business that's sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or just working from home and you need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a pickup, or drop it in a mailbox. It is indeed that simple. As I've said, with Stamps.com, you get great discounts as well. Five cents off every stamp, up to 62% off USPS and UPS shipping rates, which means that Stamps.com is a no-brainer. It saves you time and it saves you money. Right now, my listeners get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitment. Just head on over to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in Shapiro. That is stamps.com. Enter Shapiro right now. Okay, so as the Democrats softly claim that they're not in favor of the violence and the protests and, and, and the looting and, and all of this sort of stuff, well, they, 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 they try to separate off the protests from the violence, but as soon as you condemn the violence, they say you're condemning the protest. This is the little, this is the little game, the little Mott and Bailey game. Well, Kamala Harris continues to make the case that black people in America are systemic victims. So here is Kamala Harris, the vice presidential nominee of a major party, a senator from California, and a woman who, according to Forbes.com, has a net worth in excess of $6 million, talking about how black people in the United States have never been treated as fully human, which is weird because it seems like Kamala Harris has been treated as fully human. Here is Kamala Harris, a full human, speaking as though she has not been treated as fully human because black people are not treated as fully human. The reality is that the life of a black person in America has never been treated as fully human. And we have yet to fulfill that promise of equal justice under law. 
We will only achieve that when we finally come together to pass meaningful police reform and broader criminal justice reform and acknowledge, yes, acknowledge and address systemic racism. Okay, it's the last point that she wants to harp on, right? When it comes to police reform, she doesn't give a damn. She doesn't. I mean, she didn't as a prosecutor in California. She didn't as, a, as the attorney general of California. And she's one of the people who filibustered Tim Scott's bill to actually undergo some police reform. And she filibustered it. So what she actually cares about is we have to acknowledge systemic racism. Now, here's the game. The minute that you say, okay, you're, you're not defining your term, but all right. They say, okay, well, now we require this commitment from you. A, B, C, D, and E. None of them have to do with actually militating against inequality. None of them have to do with effectuating greater rights for black Americans. All of them have to do with an explicit political agenda for the Democratic Party. I'm sorry, I don't trust Kamala Harris on issues of of what constitutes racism, considering one year ago she was calling her running mate a racist, and now she says that it's completely irrelevant. For Kamala Harris, as with so much of the Democratic Party, charges of racism are merely a tool to be used in order to blow up obstacles in your way, namely people you don't like. And the minute they become allies, well, you just forget about all of that. And so the predictable result of all of this is that people are emboldened to engage in all sorts of awful behavior because things aren't cooling down, are they? Now, I was informed that Joe Biden is so powerful in his verbiage alone that in his very persona, he can calm the waters. After all, he's proposed zero actual effective policy when it comes to any of this stuff. He's talked about, if not, quote unquote, defunding the police, shifting funds away from the police and towards social workers, right? He, he has, I love the semantic games that, that are played here. He, the, the Democrats say, defund the police. And then people are like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Like, well, we don't actually mean defund the police when we say defund the police. All we mean is shift funding away from the cops and toward other social services. And then you say, okay, but that sounds like defunding the police because you're actually taking funding away from the police. Like, no, 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 no. So why did you say defunding the police in the first place? Well, that's what we mean by defunding the police. This is all gaslighting nonsense. And so this is the, the Democratic Party does not have an agenda here other than to use the, the animus and the rage in the streets as a weapon against the American public and say, okay, well, if you if you want this to stop, all you got to do is check on this dotted line right here. Just just punch this chad right here and all this can end tomorrow. Okay, so all of this results in increased violence around the country. Seattle, the violence continued to rage last night. A Seattle mob actually went to private homes last night, which always a great look. The Seattle mob went out to the suburbs and they tried to find the head of the police union and um, and they literally marched up to people's houses and threatened them. So you can see this tape, a woman literally walking up the front steps to somebody's private home. Really, uh, really classy stuff happening here. And nobody should feel threatened after all. I mean, this is all just, this is all just the, the best among us. I mean, I've been told by Barack Obama, these protesters are the best among us. Hey, speaking of the best among us, protesters went out to Lafayette Park last night because President Trump was speaking from the lawn of the White House. And we'll get to President Trump's speech. We'll get to the legality of it. It is legal. We'll get to the, the image of it and all of that. Don't worry, we'll get to the RNC because all this is the lead up to the RNC. As I say, the real RNC was not the RNC. The real RNC was the Democrats tut-tutting, violence, rioting, looting, badgering and harassing of, of innocent Americans in the streets. That was, that, that, every one of these people, if they vote, will be a, Bi- a Biden voter. Every single one of them. Okay, so if that is the case, okay, if, if that is the case, then that was the real RNC. I said yesterday that I would just make night four of the RNC a live stream of what was happening in Kenosha. Okay, you could have just live streamed Lafayette Park. That would have been just as effective. We'll get to what was happening in Lafayette Park in just one second. First, let's talk about antiviruses on your computer. So right now, there are these very sophisticated viruses that are popping up day by day that are designed to 
steal your data or harm you. This is why you need PCmatic. It's a next generation antivirus designed to stop modern threats like ransomware. There's an independent testing firm named AV Test. They just named PCmatic as the top performer in the cybersecurity industry. They give it the best performance award for 2019. Only PCmatic has American research, development, and support. PCmatic's competition is foreign made, often in countries where malware originates. PCmatic blocks annoying malicious ads for hassle free web browsing. They make your computer faster and more reliable even after years of use. And they will protect Windows computers, including XP Vista, Windows 7, 8, and 10, Windows servers, Macs, MacBooks, Android phones, and tablets. PCmatic. It's just 50 bucks for five devices for one year with a full 30-day money-back guarantee. So you can try it out, see how it works for you. If you act right now, PCmatic has offered my listeners a free month of security protection with the purchase of an annual license. You got to protect your data. There's just too many people who are out there to steal it. To access this offer, go to PCmatic.com slash Ben. Again, to get world-class security that keeps your computer running great, go to PCmatic.com slash Ben. That is PCmatic.com slash Ben, the best antivirus on the market. PCmatic.com slash Ben. In just a second, we're going to get to the events in Lafayette Park last night. Because, again, this was the contrast. You want the contrast? You got the contrast. We'll talk about that in a second. First, it is that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire member. Today, it is Sarah O'Connor on Twitter, who understands the right way to prep for continued scholastic success. And also, how to fight the Terminator. In the pick, Sarah is getting ready to enjoy a bowl of cereal while happily holding the world's most elite beverage vessel. The caption reads, starting off the new school year right with a nutritious breakfast of assorted grains and leftist tears, courtesy of the most glorious drinking vessel. Thanks, Daily Wire, for all the work you do. Hashtag Daily Wire, hashtag leftist tears tumbler, hashtag Trump 2020. Awesome stuff. Keep that routine up. And I promise you will increase your GPA. Well, if I can't, if I can't promise that, at least I promise that you will be fortified for whatever comes next. Thanks for the picture. Good luck with your studies. Also, tonight, we will be, we will be holding one of our celebrated Daily Wire backstages. Award-winning. The awards given by me. Last week, we covered all aspects of the DNC, both the hilarious and the depressing. And then we argued for like half an hour behind the paywall about regulations on social media. This week, we'll be recapping all the best moments of the RNC. And I'm sure we'll be talking about the riots in the streets. Join me, Andrew Clavin, Michael Knowles, and Jeremy Boring tonight at 4 p.m. Pacific. Do not miss it. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. <laughs> So the fact is that a certain number of Americans have watched the RNC over the course of this week, maybe some 15 million Americans, 20 million Americans, certainly not half of Americans, but all Americans are pretty well aware of what's going on in the country thanks to the interwebs. The media tried to black out the riots and the looting. They've tried to pretend for literally months on end that this stuff has not been going on. I'm old enough to remember when they declared that what was happening in my home city of Los Angeles was quote unquote, mostly peaceful protests while they literally curfewed the city at 7 p.m. every single evening and in Beverly Hills at 1 p.m. so rioters and looters could go around shattering windows and threatening people. So the media tried to black it out. The Democrats tried to black it out. And now it's just bursting out into the open. Last night at Lafayette Park, the contrast could not have been more stark. The fact is that you're either standing with the people you're about to see or you're standing against these people and their agenda because their agenda is not a good agenda. So last night, you saw people chanting, if we don't get justice, burn it down. If we don't, and they're standing, by the way, outside St. John's Church, the church they tried to burn down, these protesters, protesters, rioters and looters. And we saw this happen not that long ago. Well, there they were outside the church again, being like, you know what? If we don't get what we want, we're burning it down. (laughs) 
Now, you may notice that there are a lot of people there in very, very close proximity to one another not wearing masks. This will become relevant because later, when we talk about President Trump's address on the South Lawn of the White House, the media went nuts because look at all these terrible people who are sitting there without masks on in close proximity. Yeah, so they care about that when it's when it's one type of person. When it's another type of person, racial justice demands that you be able to spit in somebody else's face and give them COVID. In any case, that is a secondary point. You have people literally saying they want to burn things down if they don't get what they want. Again, I don't remember any of this at the Tea Party, and they were called terrorists by the media. And then we saw we saw some nonviolent violence, right? This was like, for example, I saw a mostly peaceful punch last night. So there was a, a guy, a, a white guy, who's walking down the street with his wife. Apparently, these, these people look like they're at the very least in their 60s. Okay, and she's wearing a Trump 2020 shirt. And the white guy's just walking down the street, some young piece of crap who is who has a bullhorn and he's shouting directly into his ear, probably doing him some sort of ear damage. And there's a jacket. And then out of the blue comes a guy from behind and just clocks him in the back. Then mostly, mostly a peaceful punch. A mostly peaceful punch, according to the media. It was a punch, but mostly peaceful is what I saw right there. Also, protesters held a mock execution of President Trump. So that was very exciting stuff. They held a mock execution of President Trump. They brought out a guillotine. You know, it, it's so funny. People on the left are constantly quoting the Toni Morrison line that if they tell you who they are, believe them. You might want to believe them. Here they were in Lafayette Park. They assembled the guillotine. So it's good to know that the, these people can't hold down a job, but they can't assemble a guillotine. By the way, they, they, they put one up outside of Jeff Bezos' house yesterday. All I could think of is I hope Jeff Bezos sends the Amazon drones. Be like, ah, I see you brought your 18th century execution device. Welcome to 2020, bitches. Uh, that that would have been kind of great. But in any case, they, <laughs> they brought the guillotine into Lafayette Park and they put together a mannequin of President Trump and then beheaded it. So I'm old enough to remember when a rodeo clown lost his job because he wore a Barack Obama mask at the Missouri State Fair. And the entire media were like, America is systemically racist because a rodeo clown wore a mask of a president. By the way, that rodeo clown had worn masks of other presidents as well. It didn't matter. He was fired from his job. But mock executions of Trump right outside the White House, no problem. Meanwhile, the crowd was surrounding Secret Service agents and threatening them. So that was exciting as well. They were standing right outside the fence and they were they were really on top of the Secret Service agent. They were trying to open this so they could get the Secret Service agent inside. You can see them crowding him, trying to prevent him from moving. There's the crowd trying to hem him in. Eventually, they did get the Secret Service agent inside the fence, this poor guy. Okay, and then the protesters started attacking the cops as well, so that was good. This is all in Lafayette Park, right? Right outside the White House, where Trump is speaking about law and order. So excellent juxtaposition, Democrats. Really well done, protesters. So here are some protesters getting rowdy with the police. You can see people trying to kick the cops, people trying to fight the cops. One of my favorite aspects of this particular tape is if you continue it long enough, you'll actually see a white lady screaming at a black officer, which is always my favorite, is when you see a Karen screaming at a black officer about systemic American racism. So lots of good stuff happening last night in Lafayette Park. And then this progressed into, after the, after the RNC, after Trump made his speech, a lot of the people who attended that were walking outside the White House on the street. And many of these people are older folks. They're all dressed nicely because they were just at the White House. And you see these pieces of human crap who are standing outside and flipping the bird and harassing and getting up in the faces of elderly people who are just walking out of the White House trying to leave. So you see a young guy who is screaming at people. You see a young woman running up to this, this elderly couple and screaming at them at the top of her lungs. People being harassed and, and jeered. And there you see a man 
Uh, th that guy's got to be what? Maybe 23, 24? Double birding. Throwing a double bird to like a seven. That lady's got to be 75. Right? Some 75-year-old woman. Throwing the double bird to her. Really a classy look, by the way. And then you see that here's a, here's a couple walking down the street. More people being harassed. Mr. Ager, how do you feel about the killing of black individuals in the, in, in the United States? How do you feel about the killing of black individuals in America? Put your hands on me again, I'll f*** you up. Put your hands on me again, and I'll f*** you up. Hands on me again, and I'll And then she's giving the lap dance, which is what, a curious thing what? to do. Hands on me again, and I'll f*** you up. What? 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 All they're trying to do is get in the hotel, by the way. The lady is blocking, that crazy person is blocking the door. Then, they're walking into the parking lot and being harassed and screamed at by this insane person. Forget about jailing that lady. Jail her parents. I don't know where the hell her parents were when she was growing up. But uh, that trust fund kid, that white trust fund girl, uh, I have a feeling they should have cut off that trust fund long ago. So people acting like complete pieces of crap, harassing people who are just trying to get back to their hotel, getting in their faces. You think this is a good look? Senator Rand Paul, this, this one is, is so ironic, I can't even express how ironic this is. So Senator Rand Paul and his wife are walking away from the White House and they are surrounded by a crowd who attempt to assault them. And the police have to intervene. And the police have to form kind of a barrier around a sitting senator from Kentucky. And here's what that looked like. This is the United States of America, by the way. Sitting senators being surrounded and harassed. And then they hit a police officer. Paul turns around, tries to make sure the police officer's okay. And his wife is pulling him away like, Rand, we got to go here. I mean, this what a, what a great look. By the way, they were chanting at Rand Paul, say her name. Rand Paul is the lead sponsor and creator of the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act. I'm not kidding you. Because Rand Paul is a libertarian, he wants to ratchet down police presence. Okay. Rand Paul's Justice for Breonna Taylor Act, literally an act named after Breonna Taylor, is about abolishing no-knock police raids. But that, they're screaming at him, say her name, because they don't give a damn. These people don't give a damn. They don't give a damn about legislation or about making the country better or even about policy. This misnomer that they care about making the country better in any way. I have a, has anything in the country gotten better since the BLM protests started? Name the thing. I keep saying this. Name it. I'm waiting. What got better? Did race relations get better? Do people feel more warmly about one another? Do people feel more racial solidarity? Do people feel like the problems of the United States are being healed or are they being exacerbated? And meanwhile, the Democrats said nothing about any of this for a full week and they let cities burn and Portland burns and Seattle burns and Chicago burns and Washington, D.C. burns. I mean, what, what, in the, what in the hell? Okay, so this was the juxtaposition. And, and by the way, you want to know that how you can tell that nobody gives a, a damn about actually doing good or the agenda here? and how this is just propagandistic, sloganeering nonsense. So this clip is, is notable only for what the protester keeps shouting in the face of a sitting representative from Florida. So it's a representative named Brian Mast, and protesters confront Brian Mast, and they start screaming at him. What do you think about the police shooting black people? He says, well, anytime somebody is wrongfully shot in the United States, that's bad. He said, but yes, but what about police shooting black people? And he says, well, anytime people are shot wrongfully in the United States, that's bad. Yes, but what about police shooting black? See, the premise is that you have to acknowledge against all available evidence that the police are disproportionately shooting black people, that black people are the victims of the American system, and that if you fail to acknowledge this openly, even if you say that you want justice for everybody who is mistreated in the United States, that's not good enough. You have to accept the fundamental disintegrationist premise 
that America is, was, and always will be a horribly racist place until you tear down all systems. Here is uh, that in a, in a ridiculous 30-second nutshell. Do you feel about police murdering black people anybody murdered is wrong anybody how do you black people black Okay, so he, he's, he's literally calmly just saying that it would be very wrong if a black person is murdered wrongly. And they're like, doesn't matter. What do you say about police shooting black? Because again, the facts don't matter. The stats don't matter. The only thing that matters is the overarching narrative, a narrative that the Democrats keep backing. And they cannot find a way to, to thread this needle. They cannot. Because in order to make the case that you ought to give them power and they'll fix it from within the system, you also have to make the case that the system is worth upholding. And they cannot make that system. Ibram Kendi has made it impossible to make that case. Robin D'Angelo has made it impossible to make that case. Either the system is so thoroughly corrupt, it cannot be shored up from the inside and needs to be torn down, in which case rioting and looting are a natural outgrowth of that program. Or the system is inherently good and worthwhile upholding, in which case your entire premise that America is a bad place and a systemically evil place is not true. Okay, and this is the problem. Democrats cannot face this down. They cannot, or at least they are unwilling to do so. So that brings us to the RNC last night. And the great theme of the RNC last night was indeed that the Democratic Party has been taken over by the radicals. They didn't even need to make the case. The case was right out there in the open. The case was, was pretty clear because all you had to do was look at that tape from Lafayette Park where innocent people who are just walking away from a political event are being harassed let me note, let's assume for a second that instead of Black Lives Matter protesters and rioters and looters, that the people we were actually looking at were alt-right people standing outside a Biden campaign rally, harassing people as they went outside. Do you think that we might have a, a conversation with every single Republican about disassociating from the movement? Every single one? Do you think maybe they'd be made to answer for this sort of stuff? And yet, will, it, will an establishment Democrat be asked to disassociate from this sort of stuff? Will they be asked, do you agree with the Black Lives Matter organizational agenda? Will, will they be asked, do you believe that the system is worth preserving when you say that the system itself is systemically racist? Well, no, no one will be asked this question because, of course, the media believe the same thing that many of the protesters believe. They're just arguing at this point over, over means. They're not arguing over ends. And so long as you're arguing over means, not ends, there's a Bolshevik versus Menshevik fight. Okay, and that, that is a real problem for the United States. It would be better if we had two parties that actually believed in the inherent goodness of America rather than apparently only one party that still cares about the inherent goodness of the United States. So that was the theme of the convention last night. It was a very clear theme. It was made clear most obviously by Ann Dorn. So we've only been allowed to talk about, you, you want to say his name? Say the name David Dorn. Right? How many of these protesters know the name David Dorn? The, the answer is none. Okay, David Dorn is an actual victim of violence. David Dorn is an actual victim of viol undeserved violence. He is not a person who resisted arrest and then went to his car and reached into the car and there was a knife on the floorboards. He is not a person who tased two police officers. He is not a person who attempted to resist arrest or was in the process of committing a crime. David Dorn was a person who was defending private property and he was murdered on the streets and no one gives two dams in the media. David Dorn is not a household name the way that any of the other household names you know are household names. His wife, 
Ann Dorn, spoke at the RNC last night. And she says, I relived the horror. You need to stop these riots. We need more David Dorns. That is correct. This is correct. And this, is, this was the theme of the RNC last night. I relive that horror in my mind every single day. My hope is that having you relive it with me now will help shake this country from this nightmare we are witnessing in our cities and bring about positive, peaceful change. In a time when police departments are short on resources and manpower, we need that help. We should accept that help. We must heal before we can affect change, but we cannot heal amid devastation and chaos. President Trump knows we need more Davids in our communities, not fewer. I'm old enough to remember when this is a bipartisan concern. In fact, I'm old enough to remember in my dim memory, because I was 10 years old at the time, when people like Joe Biden were backing exactly the kind of stuff that Ann Dorn is saying, that we need more people like David Dorn in our communities, not fewer, that the police are not the bad guys. They're the ones standing between the bad guys and you. I'm old enough to remember when the Democratic Party had sister soldier moments, when Bill Clinton stood up and he said, advocating racial violence is a mistake. It's wrong. It's bad to do. I'm old enough to remember that. Are you? If you aren't, maybe you should wonder what happened to the Democratic Party such that they are having such a damned difficult time saying that rioting and looting are wrong, that America is actually a fundamentally good place. Now, my, Joe Biden will say it in his, in his acceptance speech at the DNC. He'll say it because he'll lie to you that that's the program of the Democratic Party. Just as I said last week when we covered the DNC, there was a fundamental disconnect between what was happening at the DNC in the non-primetime hours and what was happening at the DNC in the primetime hours. Right? During the non-primetime hours, they're removing God from the Pledge of Allegiance twice. During the non-primetime hours, they were urging people to kneel for the national anthem. During primetime, it was Joe Biden talking about how America's a wonderful country and the Constitution's great and the Declaration is great and the founding ideals are wonderful. So who do you believe? Who do you believe? Joe Biden or your own lying eyes? Who do you believe? And why is it that every Democratic city that has been experiencing these riots has allowed them to move forward? If they agree with you that America is a place worth defending, why won't they defend it? Why won't they? Okay, so the defense of the United States was indeed the theme of the final night of the RNC. The final night of the RNC kicked off with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. He suggested that the Republican Party is indeed the bulwark against the radical leftist agenda, which at this point is accurate. I mean, this is the argument. The argument is that this is not about Trump versus Biden. It's about agenda versus agenda. It's about unionists versus disintegrationists. It's about people who believe that the country is good versus people who fundamentally do not believe that the country is particularly good or worth upholding. Here is Mitch McConnell making that case last night in his own inimitably electrifying fashion. Turtly, turtly Mitch McConnell. I'm immensely proud of the work the Republican Senate has done. We are the firewall against Nancy Pelosi's agenda. Like President Trump, we won't be bullied by a liberal media intent on destroying America's institutions. We will stand our post on behalf of the millions of Americans whose stories aren't told in today's newspapers, whose struggles are just as real. Okay, so this was again the theme. Jeff Van Drew is a, is a, Democrat, is a Democrat turned Republican in New Jersey. And he said, listen, Joe Biden, that guy is run by the radicals. You may think that he is some sort of wall against the radical wing of the party. Have, can you show a shred of evidence to that effect? When the Democrats tried to order me around, I was ready, willing, and able to say, I've had enough with their radical socialist agenda. Do you really believe Joe Biden is ready, willing, and most of all, 
able to do the same? As Joe says, come on, man. Joe Biden is being told what to do by the radicals running my former party, the same radicals trying to install him as their puppet president. Okay, so this is the theme. Rudy Giuliani spoke. So Rudy did not, in fact, speak about Ukraine or impeachment or anything like that. He focused in on what he was best at, which was stopping crime in New York City. The reason that Rudy Giuliani was considered America's mayor was not just because of 9-11. It's because he took a city in complete disarray in the early 1990s and turned Times Square from basically a seedy hotspot where you picked up prostitutes into Disneyland in the middle of New York City. He took it from one of the least safe cities in the United States to one of the most safe cities in the United States. And he says, listen, don't let Democrats do for the country what they are currently doing to all of America's major cities. New Yorkers wonder, how did we get overwhelmed by crime so quickly and decline so fast? Don't let Democrats do to America what they have done to New York. It is clear that a vote for Biden and the Democrats creates the risk that you will bring this lawlessness to your city, to your town, to your suburb. Okay, and he is not wrong about this. There is tape from Seattle of people going into the suburbs. There was tape from Kenosha of people talking about walking into the suburbs. Okay, this, is, this is ugly, ugly stuff, and the Republicans are right to harp on it. Dana White, who's the head of the UFC, he spoke at the 2016 convention for Trump. He's friends with Trump. He spoke again in 2020. He said, you got to stop demeaning the police. The police are, in fact, the solution to this problem. They are not the problem. It blows my mind how quickly some of the leadership in this country has forgotten the critical role first responders play in our society. Police departments and other law enforcement, even some fire departments, have faced opposition from many in this country. But they are always the people who are asked to step up when things are at their worst and put themselves at risk. That has certainly been the case during this ongoing pandemic. Come on, America. Defunding these vital positions is not the answer. Okay. This is the, again, this was this is one of the big themes now. This was balanced out by the fact that President Trump, while proclaiming law and order, has been quite sympathetic to people who are trying to make their lives better after having committed crimes, right? He signed into justice, criminal justice reform. Now, I've had problems with criminal justice reform because I think that there are elements of it that soften sentences for criminals. And frankly, I think that if you're a criminal, mostly you belong in prison. There are some people who make the best of their lives. One of those people, however, was Alice Marie Johnson. She gave a very powerful speech last night in which you know Trump pardoned her. And then he signed into law the criminal justice reform bill. Alice Johnson spoke at the at the RNC last night, and she pointed out that under Joe Biden's bill, she went to jail. And Donald Trump saw her as a human being who had decided to make the best of her life. When President Trump heard about me, about the injustice of my story, he saw me as a person. He had compassion and he acted. Free in body, thanks to President Trump, but free in mind, thanks to the almighty God. I couldn't believe it. I always remembered that God knew my name, even in my darkest hour. But I never thought a president would. Okay, so all, all of this was very good stuff at the RNC last night for President Trump. Tom Cotton played attack dog last night against Joe Biden. He says, you know, while, while Democrats are encouraging people to take a knee for America, it's not time to take a knee for America. It's time to stand up for America and pledge allegiance to America. Again, this is a message that Republicans should be hammering on. China's not giving up. In fact, they're rooting for Joe Biden. America's other enemies won't give up either. But Joe Biden would be as wrong and weak over the next four years as he has been for the last 50. We need a president who stands up for America. 
not one who takes a knee. A strong and proud America is a safe America, safe from our enemies and safe from war. Okay, so this is the overall message of the RNC over the last four nights, right? Touting some of the stuff that Trump has done on the record, pushing on the notion that the Democrats have backed, again, a narrative that really tears the country apart. So how have the media responded to all this? So there were two big media narratives last night as all this was unfolding. One big media narrative is that Donald Trump is a bad man because he spoke from the White House. So Valerie Jarrett, the former chief of staff to Barack Obama, she tweeted out that she was very upset. She said the White House has never before been used as a political prop during a convention. It belongs to all of the American people, not just those who support one party. Oh, it's never been used as a political prop, has it? Mm -hmm. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama lit the White House up with a gay pride flag after the Obergefell decision. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama used the White House to film all sorts of campaign videos. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, in fact, when Barack Obama turned the White House into a place where he could watch his favorite musicians perform their favorite concerts. I'm sorry, the, the, the sort of new pearl-clutching propriety at the uses of the White House for political purposes. I may not love it. It is legal. The, White House, the, the Office of Government Ethics was asked specifically whether Trump could speak on the South Lawn the South Lawn is not technically a government building because it's a lawn. And so they said, yes, he can use it. It is worth noting that Ronald Reagan announced his re-election bid from the Oval Office, that, that Jimmy Carter announced his re-election bid from the East Room of the White House, that FDR accepted his nomination in 1940 for the Democratic Party from the White House. So there is, in fact, precedent for this. It's the middle of a global pandemic. It makes it kind of difficult to assemble a crowd at a, major, at a major place. So narrative number one was very, very bad that Trump spoke from the White House. And you're right, if a Democrat did it, I'd be kind of pissed. And Trump did it, I don't think it's wonderful. I think Trump could have figured out a thousand ways to, to do this differently. Is this going to lose Trump any votes? The pearl clutching from people who are poo-pooing actual riots in America's major cities? Also, the media were very, very upset at the lack of social distancing. So the media play this wonderful, wonderful game where social distancing is super important so long as you're a conservative or a churchgoer or a person who wants to go to school or go to your work. Social distancing is really, really important. Mask wearing is super important. If, however, you're out in the streets screaming at a police officer, totally fine. So now this, which is the leftist news source, they tweeted out about 1,500 people were invited to the White House to watch President Trump's GOP convention speech. Masks were not required. Chairs were placed inches apart. And there was no social distancing. Hashtag RNC 2020. Okay, so first of all, worth noting, it's outdoors. Second of all, the selective outrage with regard to masking and, and social distancing is pretty astonishing, is it not? I mean, the selective outrage is so over the top. How do I know? Here's the headline today from the Washington Post. March on Washington updates. Thousands gather at Lincoln Memorial to march for racial equality. March on Washington organizers expect 50,000 people to gather in Washington on Friday to call for criminal justice reform and racial equity and to honor the 57th anniversary of Reverend, of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream address from the same spot. Organizers began planning in June after the funeral of George Floyd. They recently lowered their crowd estimates, citing fewer buses arriving in the city because of COVID. They plan to highlight the civil rights issues of today and bring well-known speakers to address the crowd while also mitigating the spread of the novel coronavirus with strict safety protocols. Uh -huh. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. The march, dubbed the Get, Off Your, Get Your Knee Off Our Next March on Washington, it's a little bit unwieldy, will begin with speeches from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, followed by a choreographed march to the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial in West Potomac Park. The event is expected to end around 3 p.m. By the way, there are already pictures emerging. A lot of people are not actually wearing masks. A lot of people are grouped closely together just like they were last night in the middle of these Lafayette Park protests. The media have nothing to say about that sort of stuff. So you know they're clutching at straws and they're looking for a counter-narrative when the best they can do is that. By the way, the best attempt at a counter-narrative was a woman named Andrea Bernstein from WNYC and ProPublica. 
Last night, Ivanka Trump, Ivanka Trump spoke at the RNC, and it was, you know, eh. I mean, Ivanka Trump is fine. I don't know that she had anything special to say other than Trump is her dad. But Ivanka, at one point, was talking about her three-year-old daughter making a Lego model of the White House. Here is what Andrea Bernstein tweeted. Quote, Ivanka Trump has tweeted a photo of her son, Joseph. Sorry, it's her son, three-year-old, with his grandfather at the Resolute Desk with the Lego White House. I've asked the White House if three-year-old Joseph indeed built it of his own initiative and if he had assistance. Will tweet reply if, when I get it. Wow. I mean, that is some intrepid Woodward and Bernstein-level journalism right there. Did the three-year-old build the Lego White House of his own initiative? Wow. They're on top of it, guys. So the counter narratives this morning are not enough social distancing at the White House. Also, bad for Trump to use the White House as a backdrop. Also, did Ivanka's three-year-old son build his own Lego White House? Slow clap for our intrepid media. Slow clap for these people who continue to maintain without evidence that what happened in Kenosha in the shooting was a white supremacist who went there for blood, that cops are routinely out there waking up in the morning and killing black people, and that all of this is Donald Trump's fault. Really, uh, these, these reporters, they are so good at what they do. Okay, so all of this brings us to Trump's actual speech. And so now, finally, I know, we're going a bit long here, but a lot of news. President Trump gives his final RNC acceptance speech. The thing was way too long. Okay, like it just ended five minutes ago. I thought he was actually going to segue from his RNC accept, nomination acceptance speech directly into his second inaugural. I mean, that's how long this thing was taking. I believe it was now the officially the, the longest single acceptance speech in the history of, in the modern history of acceptance speeches. So it's way too long. Buried in a 70-minute speech, 70 minutes. I understand they were trying to show that he's vigorous and he can go 70 minutes while Joe Biden could barely stand upright for 24. I get it, but you didn't need to do it. 70 minutes, that's a, that's a long time. I mean, that, that's like the Lord of the Rings cycle. Well, the, the, the speech was too long. Buried in a 70-minute speech was about 25 minutes of an excellent speech. And then there was this long litany of stuff that he'd done and things that he was going to do. And it sounded more like a state of the union, frankly, than like an acceptance speech, which is supposed to be crystallized and condensed and drawing the contrast. That stuff was in there. But it was buried in a bunch of other stuff. So it was like a Wagnerian opera. And it was three hours and it could have been an hour and a half. But in any case, Trump did say many of the things that needed to be said. And he said most of them in the first five minutes, which is the part that really matters. And again, most people didn't watch the entire thing live. People will watch clips of it. So President Trump led off by, again, talking about pride and country, which is something that Democrats simply cannot talk about these days because they keep talking about how America is a horrible, evil place. And always, unless they're running the place, it's horrible and evil. Always. So here's Trump talking about patriotism in the United States. We will rekindle new faith in our values, new pride in our history and a new spirit of unity that can only be realized through love for our great country. Because we understand that America is not a land cloaked in darkness. America is the torch that enlightens the entire world. That's a beautiful line. One of the problems for Trump is always the teleprompter Trump is less energetic than rally Trump. But you know what? Better he should stay on teleprompter for the rest of this campaign. If Trump just stays on teleprompter the rest of this campaign, I think he will be reelected. If he gets off teleprompter and starts tweeting random crap tomorrow, then um, obviously all the good work done by the RNC will be undone pretty quickly. Uh, Trump talked about COVID. He, he point, and then he made a pledge, which yeah, it, the media were immediately freaking out because Trump basically said, we're developing a vaccine and maybe we'll produce a vaccine before the end of the year, maybe even sooner. So they're saying, he's going to October surprise this thing. He's, first of all, if he did, wouldn't that be like the best thing ever? Forget politically. Aren't you rooting for there to be a vaccine ready yesterday? Here was Trump making this pledge and then the media being like, he's going to, He's going to rush a vaccine out there. And, and, and that would be bad because then he might win. Oh my God. Here is Trump. 
In recent months, our nation and the entire planet has been struck by a new and powerful, invisible enemy. Like those brave Americans before us, we are meeting this challenge. We are delivering life-saving therapies and will produce a vaccine before the end of the year or maybe even sooner. Okay, so the, the media freaked out about this. And then he started in with the real contrast between the two parties. And this was the, the key section of his speech. Frankly, I think his speechwriters, if they haven't read the book, they certainly listen to the show. Because when I talk about the contrast between a unionist vision of the United States and our history and a disintegrationist vision of the United States and, and her history, that's what Trump was talking about. Here was Trump talking about what drew America together, what makes America unique. What united generations past was an unshakable confidence in America's destiny and an unbreakable faith in the American people. They knew that our country is blessed by God and has a special purpose in this world. It is that conviction that inspired the formation of our union, our westward expansion, the abolition of slavery, the passage of civil rights, the space program, and the overthrow of fascism, tyranny, and communism. This towering American spirit has prevailed over every challenge and lifted us to the summit of human endeavor. And yet, despite all of our greatness as a nation, everything we have achieved is now in danger. That is absolutely correct, obviously. And then he goes on, he explicitly spells out the choice. He says, this is really about the visions of America and you're going to have to pick. At no time before have voters faced a clearer choice between two parties, two visions, two philosophies, or two agendas. This election will decide whether we save the American dream or whether we allow a socialist agenda to demolish our cherished destiny. I mean, again, correct. And then he got into what's happening in the streets. And th this is the, the chief issue because all of these philosophical breaks have broken out into violence in the streets, right? The people who are, are marching and the people who are rioting and looting, they are all 1619 Project believers. They believe in the narrative. That is the narrative they believe. And meanwhile, the Democratic Party is saying we ought to give them space. We ought to let them do what they want to do. Here was Trump saying, listen, this is either going to be a law-abiding country that believes in itself or it ain't. Your vote will decide whether we protect law-abiding Americans or whether we give free reign to violent anarchists and agitators and criminals who threaten our citizens. And this election will decide whether we will defend the American way of life or whether we will allow a radical movement to completely dismantle and destroy it. That won't happen. Okay, he continued along these lines. He says, listen, at the DNC, they told you exactly what they believe, so you should probably believe them. Here's what, the, here's what he said about the DNC and Biden specifically. He, he name-checked Biden 41 times, right? So clearly, Biden never mentioned Trump because the entire DNC was about Trump, so he never had to be named. He's like Voldemort. He never had to say his name. Trump was trying to make the issue Biden, but really more than Biden, the entire DNC. Here, here, he, here he says exactly what he means about Biden's agenda. At the Democrat National Convention, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight I ask you a simple question. 
How can the Democrat Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country? Great line. Great line and true. How do you expect to lead the country when you say that the country is bad? So you say, give us control of the system so we can tear down the system. But also, if you're trying to tear down the system from the outside, you're bad. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck. And then Trump explicates this. He says, there's a difference of visions in what America means. In the left's backward view, they do not see America as the most free, just, and exceptional nation on earth. Instead, they see a wicked nation that must be punished for its sins. Our opponents say that redemption for you can only come from giving power to them. This is a tired anthem spoken by every repressive movement throughout history. But in this country, we don't look to career politicians for salvation. In America, we don't turn to government to restore our souls. We put our faith in Almighty God. Hey, this is a great line. Again, buried in a 70-minute speech, there was some really, really, really good stuff. Okay, then he went into a litany of all the things Biden has done wrong over his career, from being friendly to China to being wrong on nearly every foreign policy issue of our, of our time. And then he got to the, the main point about Joe Biden, which is that Biden is just a stand-in for the Democratic agenda. This is Trump clip 12. Is Biden, Biden as, a, as a Trojan horse for socialism, a case that I've been making pretty regularly. Biden is a Trojan horse for socialism. If Joe Biden doesn't have the strength to stand up to wild-eyed Marxists like Bernie Sanders and his fellow radicals. And there are many, there are many, many, we see them all the time. It's incredible, actually. Then how is he ever going to stand up for you? He's not. Okay, that is exactly right. Okay, so a couple more clips of Trump here. So Trump 15, he, he points out, I mean, this is such a gaping hole for the Democrats. They went through their entire convention without mentioning rioting and looting and violence in America's cities once because these are all Democratic cities. They are all Democratic cities. Here is Trump bringing this up. Very awkward stuff for the Democrats. So they're focusing in on Ivanka Trump's son's Lego set. During their convention, Joe Biden and his supporters remained completely silent about the rioters and criminals spreading mayhem in Democrat-run cities. They never even mentioned it during their entire Convention, never once mentioned. Now they're starting to mention it because their poll numbers are going down like a rock in water. It's too late, Joe. In the face of left-wing anarchy and mayhem in Minneapolis, Chicago, and other cities, Joe Biden's campaign did not condemn it. They donated to it. At least 13 members of Joe Biden's campaign staff donated to a fund to bail out vandals, arsonists, anarchists, looters, and rioters from jail. Actually correct. That is technically correct. Okay, and this is sort of his final and best line. Trump said, listen, if the Democrats want to stand with these people, they can, but I'm not going to. If the Democrat Party wants to stand with anarchists, agitators, rioters, looters, and flag burners, that is up to them. But I, as your president, will not be a part of it. The Republican Party will remain the voice of the patriotic heroes who keep America safe and salute the American flag. If he stays on this message, he's going to win. If he gets off this message, he's going to lose. It's really that simple. Hey, the convention concluded with this big fireworks show. So Joe Biden did this kind of tiny little fireworks show uh, in Delaware. And Trump, everything is bigger and better and, and glitzier and ritzier. So he did this big fireworks show uh, uh, 
around the Washington Monument, and the fireworks actually spelled out Trump 2020, which is, which is really Trumpy. I mean, that is super Trumpy, just a big giant gold T appearing in the sky. Uh, this also prompted, there were pictures last night of the rioters and the, and the protesters who are standing there flipping off the fireworks because fireworks are also systemically racist. Alrighty, well, you now have your contrast. So now you get to decide which America do you want? And we'll see whether Trump can maintain that message going forward. Okay, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Also, tonight we're doing a backstage. So we'll be discussing everything RNC and riot related. So stick around for that. You're listening to The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pava Wydowski. Our associate producer is Nick Sheehan. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Hey, 